0: And that's what I know that we as women need to claim through all of everything, that that is our true power, our true essence, to be able to claim all of that pleasure for ourselves because we're worth it, because we are, because we have a clitoris that has 8,000 nerve endings that is only for pleasure. I mean, for all of these things, that is just it. And it's not for our partner. It never ends. It's only for us. And if we choose to share that, that is a choice. But first, it's for us.
1: You are listening to the Ultimate Biohack for Women, a movement of women who know what they want and go get it. You know the answers lie within. Reach in and grab hold. This is a movement, a movement of women who tune in and turn their selves on. Now you're biohacking the woman's way integrating the art and science of hacking your biology like a woman tap your magic conjure your yes upgrade elevate maximize your potential i'm dr brandy victory and this is a movement a movement that is sure to hack your soul Hi ladies, welcome to the Ultimate Biohack for Women. This is Dr. Brandy Victory, your host, and I am thrilled to bring you again uh, this wonderful woman. She is a certified sex therapist. We had a beautiful conversation back in, a year ago, basically. It's episode 92, if you want to resource that. Her name is Tara Galliano. She, again, is a certified sex therapist, and she's worked with women for over two decades to get their sexy back. Now, you know, if you've been following me, this is what I'm all about. And this is like a deeper level of just like the way you look on the outside, like that's not necessarily what equals sexy. Although in our society, that's what we're taught. It's not actually, that doesn't what, it's not really what turns me on. And I'm sure if you sat back with it, it's not what turns you on either. So I'm really excited to, uh, to have this conversation with Tara. She's been teaching Rediscovering My Body to Women with Cancer since 2014. And due to popular requests, she started offering this to all women Tara rediscovered her own body after the demise of her 25 year marriage, she realized she had given so much of herself away. That she needed to come back to her body to know what was true and how to proceed and what was pleasure and how to teach those lessons to other women who are clamoring for the same truths. Now Tara has embodied this path and is moving forward to share this with women everywhere. And if you've been following this uh, podcast for any amount of time at all, you know I speak about embodiment and that's where our true uh, wisdom, our inner wisdom comes from. And the more we can connect into that, the, the more understanding and wisdom that we have to navigate this world and to navigate getting our sexy back and feeling like amazing, beautiful women that we are on this planet. So thank you so much for being here, Tara.
0: My pleasure. So happy to be here with you, Brandy.
1: Ah, yeah, it's so good. So, um, you know, why don't we just start off a little bit about just touch in. I mean, if somebody wants to get a deeper message about all the stuff we talked about on episode 92, uh, they're welcome to resource that. Um, but if you want to kind of just like brief us on how you got here, why you're doing it. You've got this amazing book that you wrote that is so gorgeous. Um, yeah. Give us some give us an update. Where are you at? Where are you from?
0: where am i ah i well thank you thank you for all of the uh, comments and compliments about my book because that was for me really important that it was beautiful and that it was this invitation to women oftentimes people in my profession write the first book for their peers to kind of establish themselves as an expert and i just bypassed because i thought oh i don't want to play that game i want to really present this book to all women, so to the layperson, to be able to dive in and do the exercises and activities and really begin to catalog their own journey of self-discovery as it is, as it exists in their body. And for me, that was my own journey. And I didn't have the guidebook and I didn't have the pathway forward, but I created it as I went because I needed to know what was true for me because I was continually and constantly and incessantly referring outside of myself, seeking the truth, the truth, and not referencing within myself. And now that I know what I know, and I've done yoga teacher training, I did internal vaginal massage training, I have done tantra education. I mean, I've done all of these things to help me come back to my sense of who I am. What is my truth and what is my uniqueness? And for me, that was always the problem where I got stuck because I I would say, if this is true for me, then how come I don't see it modeled out there or referenced out there um, that I can know that it's true? There was no outside or external reference point saying, yeah, that's true. Because what is true is that we all have our unique resonance, right? We have our own unique frequency that we bring to the world, and we never will see anything like us because we're it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's pretty wild to think about actually, you know, like wow, the unique the unique vibration or frequency that we call us, our name, that I am that is that is Brandy or that is Tara, right? is unique like it, it it's, it's all one of its own right mm-hmm. and it's so beautiful to think about that and when we can like come back to and i'm sure we'll get more into this conversation but when we can come back to like recognizing that and that 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 amazing uniqueness and that vibration and that radiance and that frequency is uh, a reflection or an expression of source energy itself of creation with a capital c yeah. then there's really nothing more sexy then living
0: that I mean really that is the sexiest thing when we can embrace all of that and love all of that and what I found is that for me the journey was going through a lot of shame a lot of guilt Mm. a lot of trauma and Mm. a lot of pieces that I had disowned of myself that were kind of dark and shadow I mean they were shadow. And so the integration of the shadow and loving the shame that was within me, that is within me, has really been a true lesson of healing and guiding me to more radiance.
1: Wow. Wow. That's so big. That's so big. Well, you know, your awakening to that is just what we need right now, especially (laughs) as women, like guilt and shame and feeling like we're not enough or that our body is gross or ugly, or we're not worthy. Like that's the detriment to what we're here to do. So can you maybe dive into that a little bit? Like what is it that, that woke you up and, and what is it, what does it look like for you going through that process of, of recognizing that you have it, have, have it, have worked on it, have had it, and maybe still have it right. (laughs) And being okay with that. Mm. Um, and what, yeah, what was that process like for you? Uh, Well, I mean,
0: I'd say the biggest eye-opening piece was the dissolution of my 25-year marriage. It's like I was so devoted to my husband and effortlessly and easily just giving myself away. And so really casting pearls before swine and, and, and never feeling like I was being received and never feeling like I was enough and then the other side of that continuum being that I'm too much and so I'm showing up as too much and so the vacillation between the two and never really getting any traction and I'm I'm a certified sex therapist and my former husband was a sex addict so we met perfectly I mean on some level we met perfectly and seeing how for me the ego was so inextricably bound to this identity of I can help anyone. I can fix anything. And mm-hmm. the truth is I can't, <laughs> So we're not meant to do that. And I didn't know that, but I was stuck on this treadmill and pouring in endless amounts of energy into this relationship that was not viable. And then it came to this slamming halt where it was never going to go forward. And, And it got ugly. And it was the drama of the situation that shut all of the doors. We were not in communication. Legally, we could not be in communication. He filed for divorce. And then everything got, I mean, what could have been really ugly. And on some level, It did, but it was for me the internal ugliness of I had to face all this shit that's inside of me. And a lot of it was propelling me forward and recreating these relationships like my marriage that were never going to serve me because I got stuck on this continuum of I'm not enough or I'm too much. So I needed to go and do the deeper work of what does it mean to love myself and all of who I am and really love my shame and really love my guilt and really love the embarrassment that I don't know, even though I'm paid to know and trained to know as a sex therapist, I don't know. And to really step into that unknown was scary stuff. Hmm. That's where the journey began for me. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Woof. Yeah. It's a lot. And it takes a lot of courage to, Mm -hmm. to look at that stuff. I mean, I, you know, I think there's women all over, I've known them myself and I'm sure everyone listening to this knows some woman that's like, I mean, my mom is a prime example. I love her dearly, bless her little heart. And she is a caretaker, give herself away before she takes care of herself kind of girl. And it's to her detriment. Right. And there's, that's, it's her choice and her path. And, and she loves being that way. Like I, we've had the conversation a little bit here and there, but you know, unless someone is actively realizing that it's, that their lifestyle, whatever it is, is a, is not supportive of where they want to go in life. Um, it's, it's really difficult I think to, to see or to help someone see that uh, that they keep getting the same boyfriend with a different name, <laughs> True thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of why I say that sex is the advanced course, because I think what happens is we have a boyfriend or we have a lover, we have a partner that we want to please. And so they come into this field that I'm working in and they say, I want to have better sex. I want to have mind blowing sex. I want to be able to please my partner. And so it's this performative paradigm where we're referencing the other, but it seems like it's a workable solution because I just want my partner to feel pleasure. And I want to feel pleasure with my partner. And the reality is, is that we need to claim as women, because we are powerful vessels, we have so much power within our being that we need to claim, claim our own erotic sovereignty, that we need to know what it is that pleases us in a very sensual level to be able to identify and articulate that to another if we choose, but it is our responsibility to do that. And I didn't know that, really know that. I mean, cognitive, I knew that and I taught that. It was a conceptual thought, but to really know that and to really embody that is a much different experience. And that's what I know that we as women need to claim through all of everything, that that is our true power, our true essence, to be able to claim all of that pleasure for ourselves because we're worth it, because we are, because we have a clitoris that has 8,000 nerve endings that is only for pleasure. I mean, hey! for all of these things, that is just it. And it's not for our partner. It never is. It's mm-hmm. only for us. And if we choose to share that, that is a choice. But first it's for us.
1: Wow, I love that. And it's so powerful. Thank you for saying that. Um you know, I, I think even, even women who are consciously recognizing that they have this, you know, helper kind of um, mentality. I want to help others before I help myself. um, Even when people are conscious about that, it seems still like a very hard thing to navigate that when I'm with my partner, this is about my pleasure, not necessarily their pleasure. Yeah, of course, you don't want to do anything that's you know offensive in a sexual relationship but but to actually gain the understanding the embodiment of the understanding that this is about my pleasure that can take so much pressure off the experience yeah yeah oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And to really
0: explore what is offensive, too, because what are the assumptions that we're operating on that we've not named? And if we can have clarity Mm. with our partners around those things, because I I oftentimes, and that was my experience being in a 25-year marriage, I was like operating on all sorts of assumptions. I'm assuming monogamy. I'm assuming all of these things, although we did have a conversation about that. So there was that, but it was just many, many years ago. And then my partner, my former husband's operating on a different plane and and everything that he desires or wants to explore, he's doing it outside of the relationship. And that's what I found out later on. But for me, it, it's, wow, now how do I reclaim that and recognize that I am enough and I don't need to live into that story anymore and choose what it is that I want, what it is that I want to explore, because nothing is really offensive unless you're breaking an agreement like my former husband did. It's like he did these things outside of the relationship when we had an agreement that it was going to be a container within the relationship. And so, yeah, and did I know that? On some level, I had a felt sense that that was the truth, but I was comfortable, so I chose to live in the ignorance and endure. That's, that was my pathway forward and that's why I was married for so long. But to really break through that and be courageous and claim all of what I desire, I need to explore the offensive. Like what's offensive? And what what is the higher uh, um, levels of arousal that we can achieve when we look into the things that we assume are taboo? Would I have liked for my husband to have a conversation with me about what he was doing? Yeah, because to really <laughs> claim that probably would have been the sexiest thing that he could have done really claim his desire and speak it. And when we do that, we don't always have to act on it, but we've given voice to it. And then we can make a choice because then it's in the realm of possibility and we don't always have to act on it. And what I find oftentimes is that we're more likely to act on things and then regret it later on because we haven't spoken about it, but Mm. speaking and expressing is so powerful and it gives us much more choice. I mean, that's why I became a talk therapist because that is so true. It is just so true.
1: Wow. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. You know, talking about it is important. And like you said, you talked about it back 20 years ago or 25 years ago, like, okay, yeah, this is a monogamous relationship. And then that was the story. Right. But people change over time. And if you're not in what I, like in my own relationship, I I find that this has, this is a constant, constant conversation that we're having. Uh, for me personally, when we first got together, I had, I had been just six months out of a really intense relationship that I didn't want to leave, but to, and then he, he was out, you know, short out, out of a a divorce. And so, you know, what I wasn't real, Into making a commitment with him, you know, or with anyone for that matter, you know, but, but I liked him and we ended up hanging out a lot. And finally, we were like, okay, this is the thing we're doing for today, for today, because I can't make a commitment. And so ever since then, I I feel really blessed that we started like that, because ever since then, we're like, how are we today? how are we today? You know, and um, it's really, really helpful. And, you know, to have this ongoing conversation about what our needs are and what brings us pleasure and and learning what our partner needs needs are and what brings in pleasure is so, so vital. Yes. It's important. It's important. And what I find is
0: oftentimes when we get into relationships, that is attachment to the relationship and the sense of ownership that prevents us from going deeper into exploration because we don't want to rock the boat. And so oftentimes the couples that I see are so happy in all of the facets of their relationships. Like my best friend, we're so intimate, we're emotionally connected, we have such an effortless flow. And then when it comes to sexuality, we're like, and we're so shut down because I don't want to rock the boat. Everything else seems to be working well. How do we have mind blowing sex and really connect in a deep, intimate way when everything else is going well, I don't, I don't want to go there. And to actually go there is courageous and it opens up a deeper level of intimacy that they had never known that they could achieve.
1: Yeah, that's so true. And that can often, I don't know, do you find this to be true? Can, can that be like the block too? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Block. Yeah. And then when, when the obstruction is, blessed and loved with more intimacy and mind-blowing sex, then it dissolves. and But that's the pathway yeah. through it and that we can avoid it all we want, but we need to go through it because we try to bypass it because all of the other areas of the life, our, our lives together are working well. I mean, that's certainly what I did. I thought, oh, okay, I'm resigning myself to vanilla sex, even though I wanted to explore more, wasn't speaking my desire because I thought, well, everything else seems to be working well enough. And if my partner wants this, my husband, my former husband wants this, I'll just submit. I'm like, "Hmm, okay, noticing. And now I think, goodness, that was such a disservice to myself, such a disservice to him. And had I had the conversation about what it is that I truly desired, even though I may not have known, even though I may have been awkward in sharing it and made some mistakes and felt a little bit uncomfortable, that maybe things would have been a little bit different. And maybe things would have still dissolved, but maybe they would have done so in a different way. Um, hmm. But yeah, that's the opportunity yeah. when we take it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is where the, like one of the benefits of your book comes in, excuse me, comes in because, you know, I, I, there's this, there's this page in here and I I just want to describe this book for a second. So it's really gorgeous for all my women who love sensual beauty out there. Uh, And then each page is broken down with one little tip or question to ponder or thing to do an activity to do. And it's not overwhelming. And you don't have to like read it all in a day and do all the pro- processes. And if the process doesn't feel good to you, don't do it. But the, the, but just going through this book and actually doing the the journaling prompts and, and just kind of being with the questions that you give there, it really begins to allow ourselves to, I found for myself, I was like, oh yeah, this, this reminds me to, to look deeper at my own, like my own needs and desires and um, even my own judgments and blocks. And you even speak to guilt and shame in here. Mm -hmm. And this particular page is about trusting yourself. And and I love this. uh, I love this quote you put in here. This is from Frida Kahlo. I I paint self-portraits because I am so often alone because I am the person I know best. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that relates to self-trust? Oh my goodness,
0: yes. Um, Yeah, it's interesting because I put that quote in there and I had gone to Mexico City in October of 2019. Um, And I went actually to Frida Kahlo's house where she was confined and had painted and it was, and it's a museum and it's a fascinating process and so many people there and so happy to be there and celebratory and taking selfies. And for me, I really felt the grief and the sadness and the profound aloneness of her experience. And she, for those of you who may not know, she was in a car accident where, goodness, a metal rod pretty much pierced her spine and so she was not able to walk, she was not able to move most of her adult life um, as this happened when she was an adolescent, she was an invalid and she she couldn't walk, she needed to be carried. Um, and so she painted because she was often by herself. And even when she got married and she um, had other lovers as well, in addition to her husband, she, she was alone so much of the time. And for me, that profound quality of being alone really was in the atmosphere of her home. And I'm there crying, I'm not taking selfies, but really feeling the depth of that mm-hmm. aloneness that we that we are that we live that we come into this world profoundly alone, and we will leave this world with our last breath alone. Um, and so to find that quote felt very comforting to me, like this, this is her experience, and such wisdom, because she gave so generously, so abundantly, so lovingly, so beautifully. I mean, her paintings, her images are visually stunning. And that was her gift to the world, even with all of the pain, physical pain and suffering that she endured. She gave such beauty. And so I loved including this quote, because I love Frida Kahlo. I love what she represents, just this beauty from this
1: profound pain.
0: Mm.
1: Mm. Beautiful. And then how does that relate to self-trust?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it is only really through this experience of claiming our aloneness or claiming our sovereignty that we can begin to trust ourself. I think, again, oftentimes, particularly as women, we're indoctrinated into these roles, particularly of being caregivers, because we're so relational that it happens to our detriment that we then are always giving the oxygen mask to others and not giving it to ourselves and when we feel like our glass is half full we're like okay that's good enough and then we give to others and the reality is is that we give effortlessly when we're overflowing and so we need to trust in that process because when we give to ourselves completely then others can drink or receive from us effortlessly from the overflow and oftentimes we give to depletion and that's never ever a good place to give and it's hard to retrain what society has uh, instilled in us from a very early age and I'll just tell you a brief story from my mentor Tammy Kent and she tells this story about this party for nine-year-olds that she was helping host and the nine-year-old boys are all kicking back and telling jokes and you know, hanging out with each other and having a good time And the nine year old girls were up with the hostesses and hosts and saying, Hey, how can I help? And so being super helpful. And she just wanted to say to them, like, go chill with the boys or go chill by yourself. Stop being so super helpful at at nine, you know, nine baby years old, they're already getting that we could, we could take care of each other. We could take care of others. And that's how we get accolades. That's how we get value in the world. And. Sure. That's not true, right? The boys know that's not true and they're just having a good time and the girls are already following this form and that needs to be disrupted. That's, that's Mm. what my book is about. Because when we trust ourselves and know that we are enough just by being, then so many more things are possible, all
1: of us. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Well, I have something that I would love to chat about and it's on page 98 of your book. I love it. (laughs) Open up my book. (laughs) You should. It's first sex. So I'm just going to read through if it's okay. I'm going to read through this little page here. Okay, great. So I'm just going to go through all of it. And then I'm just going to let you roll. What was it like the first time? What did it mean the first time? What does it mean now? What constitutes a first time? That's an amazing question. What did you imagine? Was it pain tinged with pleasure or pleasure tinged with pain? Share with yourself what it was, what it will be. Write it down, capture it, remind yourself, remember, allow yourself to revisit this exercise. It was real, it is real. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You want to chat a little bit about that. I, I just love what constitutes a first time because I've never even considered like, oh, well, actually, <laughs> maybe. We always have a first time or maybe when I try something new or when I express to my partner that uh, I'd like to see this or do this or experience that maybe that's a first time and I don't have to be confined to what my first time actually meant.
0: I love it. Yes. Yes. And so for me, it's the invitation to really create this narrative and review our lives for the things that we've experienced and the things that we want to experience as well, because there's always an opportunity for first time. And I, in college, I was a literature major because I loved reading stories. And I know that stories are really profound connectors for us as humans and as souls. And that when we know our own stories, then we can receive stories from others so much more easily. And I love the idea. And I mean, that's really why I wrote the book is cataloging or getting a better sense of what is true for you. Um, So the ability to begin to look at what is a first time what and what is sex? And what does it mean to be intimate with another person? And what does that look like? Is it emotional intimacy? Is it physical intimacy? Is it sexual intimacy? Is that even a piece of a first time? Uh, Would you want it to be, or was it, or was it not? Um, And so really claiming all of those experiences that make us uniquely us the individual that we are is really profound and that nobody can take that away from us and nobody can say that it's wrong and nobody can say it's right except for us and when we claim that and write that down we're more likely to have an exploration about what that meant for us and when Mm -hmm. we don't then we don't know and it kind of lives in the ethos and it's not really real but when we write it down and use the words for expression then we have a better sense of what is true and how have I held this precious memory?
1: Mm. Got it. So what would you say to someone who has, like i work with a number of patients who have had sexual trauma as a child or a young adult. Yeah. And so I can only imagine, I haven't had that, but I Thank can only, goodness. yeah, no joke, no mm. joke. Um, but I can only imagine how hard it might be for someone of that, who's had that experience to, to even give this a look.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I have had that experience. I was molested by a family friend at the age of 10 and I know that it was a very complicated experience for myself and one that I needed to write about. And I've written about many times. And actually that was probably my most recent, letter to my email list about that experience of molestation and the grooming that happened and also the anger and the boundaries that i had to put around it and say no and then it stopped but then the inability to speak and express what had happened to me because there was no competent adult in my world that could listen and hear what had happened. And so I knew that. And so I shut down. And there was anger, there was a blockage, there was a boundary violation. And also, which brings up, I'd say a lot more shame is the sexual awakening that happened for me in that process. Uh, There was something pleasurable that about that experience on a physical level, and feeling that pleasure and feeling like, what am I supposed to do about that? Because that just brings in more shame. Because if it was pleasurable and acceptable, then I would be able to speak about it or have somebody to speak to about it. But there was no one. And I was not able to speak about it until I was much older. And the shame that then I became embroiled in and how it became inextricably bound with the sense of Sexuality and being a sexual being and claiming my pleasure and then does pleasure always need to be connected with pain or always need to be connected with shame and then the evolution from that and i'd say that is. A powerful experience that many victims of unwanted sexual contact so just to make it really broad Mm. experience. And that the reclamation, the writing of the story, creating the narrative is a very powerful powerful way to be able to begin to understand the depth of the impact and rewrite their narrative of what it was, what it should have been, what it could have been, and how it will proceed from that moment moment to the future, to now, to the present. Because when we transform who we are, we can transform our experiences of the past as well. And that's a true thing. And we need to do that in order to claim health.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Those, those experiences get stored in the subconscious and in the energetic field and they our blocks and interference and us being able to expect the true fullness of who we came here to be. Mm
0: -hmm. And so,
1: yeah, we do have opportunity to let that go. I can, you know, I'm sure in your, in your, when you consult with people, do you help them walk through this kind of stuff if that's what they're needing?
0: Absolutely, because I would say that nine times out of a 10, that's what we're needing, particularly as women. And particularly goodness to have the type of relationships that we want to have with ourselves and others is that shame is a huge piece, huge, huge. And we get it culturally, we get it socially, we get it from our family of origin, we get it from religion and it's patriarchy, and when we get all over the place, and not that men are not having that experience, but it is, I, I mean, I feel like it really is the colonization of the female body that happens, and that's a profound and powerful statement, and I don't say that lightly, but I do feel like that's what happens, and all of the issues that are happening now with reproductive rights are just an extension of that. And that the reclamation needs to begin with each and every woman that she knows that she is inherently of value just for being and that she is miraculous and she is the creator of life, not only her life, but of life. I mean, that's magic and that's mystery. And we live there effortlessly.
1: Ah, yes. 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 All right. So if anyone is listening to this and they're like, wow, that sounds really good. And I don't think I could do that work. Then you need to get in touch with Tara. (laughs)
0: Please, please, please. I'm so honored to be able to help. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, and we need, we need your light ladies. We need you to be showing up in the fullness of who you be and having pleasure is a guidepost that says, yes, you're on the right track. So we got to figure out how to get you there. (laughs) <laughs>
0: love
1: it. <laughs> Treat oh. it, love it. Ah, so speaking of all that, there are a few exercises that you have, um you know, polka dotted throughout this book, which are kind of really fun. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna want to talk about this one because I actually did this when I was way younger. I was 14 sizes bigger than I am now. Had so much shame around my body, like. Self mutilation, kind of stuff, want to commit suicide, um, Hate body hatred, like really deep body hatred. And, uh, and, and I did this exercise. It was really, really powerful, but it's one of the hardest things I, I've probably ever done. Um, and I could go back and do that again and again, I'm sure. And it's the mirror gazing exercise. Mm-hmm. I love this. I love this, and I love that you have it start off. And so again, ladies, there's like one page excerpt. There's like one page that talks about shame. There's one page that talks about guilt, and there's one page that talks about the mirror gazing with clothes. Um, and you know, I I really encourage people. I'm sure, just as you do, Tara, that um, to, to just go stand in front of the mirror, and that's what this is about. Like she says, stand in front of a full length mirror. Start fully clothed. Take a moment. Drink yourself in, look, examine, see what you look like in all your clothes, see what others may see, get a glimpse, process it, digest it, let it be, try this again, take your time, stay longer, time yourself if needed, five minutes now, five minutes, now ten minutes. Oh, it's beautiful. I'm curious, when you have people do that, what, what what's the feedback that comes back?
0: Oh, yeah, that it's hard. That's, it's a hard. really difficult exercise, even though it is simple in the instructions, that it's really difficult to face ourselves, and to be with ourselves, and that there's no goal, like there's no end product that's tangible. It is just the experience and it's hard, and I get that, and I feel like, oh, yeah, yeah, I feel that, and then the observation of what others may see, and then the experience of shutting down of, oh, I don't like what maybe I'm revealing to others, or I don't like what others may be seeing of me that I can't control, or that I may not look as beautiful as I would like to look or I've got more wrinkles or I've got less hair or whatever it is that we're judging ourselves by this external image instead of just embracing all we are. And that's kind of where we begin. And so the bubbling up of this discomfort. And then I'd say when people try it again, there's a deepening into the process where they're able to allow and give themselves permission to, oh, and I have kind eyes and oh, I like my smile. I know, I like the color of my hair. And so really beginning to notice maybe one or two things that they actually appreciate about themselves that they hadn't noticed before. And so the opportunity to write that down, to date it, to remember it, and to reference back to it is really powerful. And then always to do it again. um, Because I think one and done is kind of our process in this you know society and check 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 i did that i did that and it didn't work or it did work but i did it um and oftentimes you need to revisit this shit again and again and again is what i find it's like okay it's not one and done it's i need to come back to it and when i come back to it who am i today just like you were saying with your relationship it's like okay this opportunity to show up every moment And who are we today? And how are we showing up for each other? And do we want to continue showing up like this? What does evolution look like for us? And Mm -hmm. we do that with ourselves. When we're gentle and compassionate with ourselves, we do that for ourselves.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps. (laughs) I love it. Yay. I I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So there's another, I think there's two more parts that have really gotten my attention that I'd like to chat about on this conversation. Oh, I
0: love it. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Good. Um, So it's the piece around understanding women's sexual response style. And you have a quote here from Tammy Lynn Kent, who I believe is who you said was your mentor.
0: Yes. Love Tammy Lynn Kent. Yes.
1: And she says the idea of synchronizing her outer movements with the natural rhythms of her body inspired her. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. So can we talk a little bit about understanding women's sexual response style? Because I I can hear everyone who's listening this has some conversation going on in their head and it's all this chitter chatter. And I think underneath (laughs) it, (laughs) if we understand the women's sexual response style, we can quiet some of that down.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I love Tammy Lynn Kent's work. And so again, the reference point is to be within. And so the work that I did with her was this intravaginal massage work where we go inside what I would say, the Sanskrit word yoni or go into the vagina and really feel into the different points, the different pressure points. And I mean, that that can bring you towards the path of arousal But what I would say even prior to that, it brings you towards a path of awareness and understanding what is. And so when I have that experience for myself and I actually use a wand to do that, I find my fingers, I I want more depth when I go inside my vagina. And so I want to be able to really feel around the pelvic bowl that when I do that, I understand and tap into this vastness that is within me and I can Feel more clearly where there are tension patterns that I live in and that are maybe more chronic and a little bit more persistent that are familiar patterns of tension within my own body, within my own being, and that I know them. Those are some of the areas where I actually have obstructions or blockages for arousal. Um, and it's great because then I understand, oh, it's not that there's anything wrong with me. I just need to give myself more love there. And what does that more love look like? Well, it could be a blessing. It could be a prayer. It could be more stimulation. Sometimes it I don't know, but it is just bringing the awareness to that spot. And that is the first part of the work that I did with Tammy Lynn Kent. And the second part was exactly the same thing, but to go around the pelvic bowl internally in an energetic experience. So through my imagination, through um, having had the felt sense of doing it with a wand and with my fingers, bringing in those two pieces and not necessarily even touching myself, but really just bringing the awareness of, I understand now my pelvic bowl and what lives there. And those are really profound exercises and activities and they bring me closer to a better sense of my arousal because I know now that it takes a long time. It's not like a man where intercourse can happen, you know, from beginning to orgasm, six or seven minutes. It's like, it takes women 20 or 30 minutes. I might say that on average, but I'd say it's probably the low end to actually get aroused. It's like, what brings us to arousal? Is it the emotional intimacy? Is there a sensual experience? Is there something where we need to be met at this paper arousal state and then slowly brought in? And it's different for every woman every time, but we also have patterns that we appreciate and to be able to explore that and have that for ourselves and understand how that is different with a partner. Um, But the opportunity is to go within because I know that there's so many answers to all of our questions, when we have quality questions, the answers are within. They're oftentimes not external.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And um, can you speak to how, like, so what comes up for me is when you say all that is that, you know, there's, you, t- you spoke about a lot there. So part of it is, um, the story that comes up in a, in a woman's mind around either, um, touching herself. I know I work with women who have like issues around that. I have other women who I've referred to uh, pelvic floor therapy, which is, if you don't right. know what that is, you know, the therapist actually goes in the vagina and, and basically massages and does trigger point therapy on the muscles inside, which I think is similar to what, what you were speaking of there. Very similar, Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. And I also hear from commonly, not every time, but commonly that, that they, they don't like it. They don't like it. And in my senses and what, you know, I haven't quite gotten to yet because it's kind of a new conversation I'm having. But my sense is that there's a storyline around either maybe there was sexual trauma or they shouldn't be being touched or they're being touched by another person. It's not their partner or what, you know, there's all these stories. Right. And there's the the true Truth about like for ourselves, regardless if you have another person, the therapists are not doing it. But for ourselves, like getting to know ourselves, and and in a real physical way, and and understanding, you know, our our personal response style in. Um, maybe that relates to what phase of our cycle we're in, or, you know, not beating ourselves up because we're not turned on and, be, and your husband wants to have sex or your partner wants to have sex or, you know, there's so much around it. And I really appreciate the fact that you have this therapeutic background too, because you're not just guiding people on how to have better sex. You've like literally got the background and the wherewithal and the knowledge and wisdom to help people see where their blockages are and where, where maybe they can compassionately and gently open to themselves first so they can open to their partner more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I really appreciate you naming, um, goodness, I mean so much, but really the inability to relax because of trauma or because of shame. And that when a pelvic therapist enters a pelvic bowl and does that work, that the attention seems to be at the forefront and, I think there's some confusion to can I this is a therapeutic massage, can I relax? And can I feel pleasure? Because maybe pleasure doesn't feel like it's appropriate in this professional um, setting. And then how do I experience pleasure? Can I do that for myself? And if I can't do it with this professional, who can I do it with? And how do I give my, per, myself permission to experience pleasure? Um, so it's this both and because sometimes that can be a pleasurable experience and feels like it's inappropriate because of the boundaries and I think sometimes again that goes back to this experience of unwanted sexual contact that may have happened that was non-consensual that happened at a time where it felt more like a violation because they were there was a power differential maybe they were a child they were in a vulnerable state they weren't able to give consent and it gets very confusing so then it becomes hardwired in our brain. And then it it needs to be sorted out. And we really need to understand how then we can experience and give ourselves pleasure. And it, my sense is it really is through this gentle pathway forward. It's not through this cathartic experience, although that can be helpful, but I'd say nine times out of 10, that's not how it works. Occasionally it can, but I'd say mostly we need this gentle guidance and that we know that we can have somebody that's we can trust, that's got our back, that is a mentor, that has been on this path and knows how to guide people. That's what's worked best for me. The cathartic <laughs> experience, like, okay, drama, drama, drama. And I've certainly called that in. And, you know, boom, I mean, the dissolution of my marriage. I got it. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, but for the healing, I'm like, okay, I would like to really have this in a gentle way and it has been it really has been. I've been very fortunate to have wonderful coaches, wonderful teachers, and people who are really guiding me gently on the path of understanding who I am
1: and how I want to show up in the world. Mm, mm. that's that's great. yeah. and I've noticed we've spoke to this kind of pattern a bit like having the trauma in the earlier childhood or young adulthood and and this kind of thing, but I'm I'm actually, okay. Okay, ladies, I'm going to get a little personal here. So it's just us. Okay. Um, (laughs) I'd also, because I know I'm not the only one out there that has this. And so I'd like to maybe speak to the kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, which is, um, so for me, I am, um, I, I've always been a very I came out of the connect, birth canal masturbating. Like I've always been a very sexually Woo-hoo! turned on person, like really.
0: Yes. And
1: uh, Yay for and, you. I love it. Good. <laughs> good. and I got a lot of messaging as a child that it, that wasn't okay. Yes. Um so being a sexually turned on person, I was very like excited about learning more about that, but then also like building this. This guilt, shame, kind of thing. Well, I have worked a lot on all that stuff, but I have noticed, like, my mo in in my sexual stuff is kind of like I I I'm I I can get turned on really easily, and I I want to have sex, and it can be hardcore sex, and let's get off, and let's go on about our business, you know, kind of like that. And my partner that I'm with now is not like that. He is uh, very sensual. He likes. um to feel and 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 empathically like connect and things like that, which is beautiful because I do love that. And what that means for me is I have to be more vulnerable and let him in more than is always comfortable. <laughs> And sometimes I have gotten to places where I am doing that more and hopefully more and more since our, we've been together over 12 years. So, you know, it's better now than it's ever been, but I have noticed there are times when I'm more open that way. And I, I literally will just start bawling like in sex because it's just so much to let myself be that open with another person. Can, can you maybe like encapsulate that a little bit and speak to that a little bit from the perspective of someone who might not have been traumatized as a child with necessarily Touching, they weren't inviting, but maybe with bad messaging or trying yeah. to come kind of to terms with where they're at.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So beautiful. Thank you for naming that because I do think that that is a very common experience for women to have. That oh, that cheerful experience where they're like, I'm so full and so vulnerable, and the tears come. And I would say that there's many different layers of that. And one of the first ones that pops into my mind is that we live in this hypersexualized culture where, in the media, women are portrayed as sex objects and over sexualized. And a lot of us don't necessarily live into that. Um, and some of us do, but that is kind of the, the epitome or the ultimate expression of female sexuality. And it looks a certain way. And then there's the reality of how we live within our bodies, within this experience today. And even though we may be vibrant sexual beings, um, we may not be there, but that overlay is on us. And so finding our own true pathway takes some courage and some creativity. We may live into that hyper-sexualized view and that's fine, but we need to know what's true for us in the expression in the moment. And so we may feel a little bit more sexual, like, okay, I want to I get fucked, really, or like, I want to do that and have that experience. Or we may feel like, I want more sensual experience. I want to feel the emotional connection. I want to connect in that vulnerable way and create more intimacy. And they're very different experiences. And neither one is right nor wrong, but they're just different qualities of being. And I love that you name that your partner oftentimes lives in this different realm than you live. And that's great because we often attract the opposite and that we then have the opportunity to create fluency in these different realms. We get to build and explore our repertoire of showing up as a sexual being. Can I be sensual? Can I be energetic? Can I be kinky? And can I be um, more sensual or romantic? And I think a great way to explore this is actually through the erotic blueprints through Jaya's work. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's based in Boulder. Oh, yeah, and she does amazing work. And so she has this quiz called the erotic blueprint and she's got a course called the erotic blueprint. And I love it. Um, What I found is that it's a really great way for couples to understand more about their own sexual expression, where they live, What feels comfortable? What maybe feels more like in alignment with how they show up in the world? And again, that's just a preference or a natural inclination, but we're so dynamic that we can be so expansive and step into these other ways of being. And it really is just about feeling the energy, asking for permission. Like, is it okay if we explore this? And knowing that your partner, I would say most of the time is going to be different uh, and that it doesn't make you sexually incompatible what it does is it, it gives you the opportunity to increase your language or your fluency and other ways of being sexual and offer more versatility of like, let's explore and do things differently. And I would say kink is probably anything that is taboo. And oftentimes that's a juicy place to explore, especially when you're dealing with shame and shutdown, because, it, you know, taboo could be, I mean, for some people, it's like we're having sex naked instead of with our clothes on. So you begin wherever you're at. Kink doesn't always mean BDSM. It doesn't always mean fetishes. It just means really working with the taboo. And what is taboo for you? Just,
1: yeah. What a great, great clarification. I've never really thought about that before. And that that's really important because, you know, like, like mm-hmm. I just expressed my, my sexual consciousness is a little different than my boyfriend's and it's, and it's all really good. And it's been so so valuable uh, just having the conversation of and, and and ladies i think what's really important just first off is you know if you're with a partner even if you're not but if you're with a partner we got with that person for a certain reason and that we we love each other and that's why we're in relationship with each other regardless of how long or deep that is there's some level of connection trust and love there and often I see women just so upset with their husband's not taking out the trash. Like there's this, (laughs) like really, you know, there's this bitching that happens about them or they're not doing it right or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I I so invite you. And I'm sure Terry, you're with me on this. I so invite you to find out what they are doing, right? Find out what, you can do to reconnect and on the, on what kind of started this all out and having this conversation around the things that you learn in rediscovering my body, or, you know, the, the curiosities that arise around sexuality. If you were just start first starting to date someone, what conversation around sex would you have and, and how would you want it to be? And I mean, wow, you know, I've learned how to, and I'm still learning it, but I've learned how to completely speak a different sex language. And it's been amazing.
0: Yeah. I love it. Yes. And that we all can give ourselves permission to do that. And I think sometimes, as when we learn things, we make mistakes, we we feel a little bit awkward, we feel a little bit embarrassed, we feel a little bit uncomfortable because we're learning a new skill. And when we can really just embrace that's how it is and be determined that that's not always how it's going to be, then that's a good place to begin. I mean, if you think about an infant learning how to walk, it's like they have such incredible determination and they don't beat themselves up. Like I didn't get it right. I didn't get it right. They get the frustration, but they continue because they know it's a pathway forward. And I think we can all make that commitment to pleasure, right? And make that commitment to more love in our lives, beginning with the love with ourselves and then extending that out to others. And so I love, Brandy, the reframe of, Oftentimes we get stuck in this pattern where we're complaining about our partner or saying they didn't take out the trash or really looking at the pet peeves that we have. And when we just abolish that and just be like, what are the things that they're doing right? And we begin to affirm them then we're really living in the positive realm and we're really giving them more love and more blessing and they can live into that. And you can begin to see the shift in the relationship because then there's really just more affirmation of love.
1: Mm. Amen, Mama. <laughs> <You did it>. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so beautiful. You know, there's so much. I, I have other pages and pages that are like, oh, we should talk about this. We <laughs> should So we could go on for hours and hours. But I'm I gonna. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I love your book. I really do. It's uh, oh,
0: thank you. Yeah, I
1: really do. It's really nicely put together. It's really like it doesn't like make me feel like oh no, I I I can't do this exercise, and so I don't feel good enough. Or I mean, you're so upfront about it. You're like, if it doesn't work, don't do it. Go on to the next one. You don't have to get in order, you know. So it's, um, yeah, it's really an easy, beautiful read. It gives me something to think about. Um, I'm really excited for my listeners and my patients and my friends to learn about your book. Um, Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you would like to say before we go?
0: I would, because I really, I really appreciate your appreciation for my book. And one of the things that I did recently was I made a audio, uh, it's like a video of the book. So it shows all the pages of the book. And it's an audio file. And what I love about it is that I'm speaking and reading the pages. And so it gives people the opportunity to deepen into the practices so they don't have to kind of hold the book and hold the page. They can just hear it and have their book and begin to do it. And I like that. So for me, that really works for me because I am an auditory learner. And so hearing something over and over again is very powerful for me because then I can relax and deepen into it and consider it and ponder it and kind of percolate on it when I'm not actually doing the activity and then come back to it later on and like, oh, okay. So yeah, so that's available on my website. And I would love for people to check that out if that's helpful for them, because it's, yeah, it's one of those ways that for me, I learn best. And so when I take a class or when I do something that's important to me, I take my notes and then I make an audio file of what I learned and I play it for a while because I feel like oh that's integration for me so I just want a great idea I think it's phenomenal it helps me so
1: much <laughs> yeah I bet I bet I'm gonna have to take that one on I love oh, it so beautiful yeah you know when you're saying that I'm like huh and I don't know if you're doing this or not but what comes to mind just as a creative verse is um wouldn't it it would be really cool like my way of learning would love um getting a text every day that's like, hey. You know, are you trusting yourself or a quote from your book or something like that? It would it would be because I would see that text and I'd be like, oh, you know, um yes. yeah, it might be a really fun way to to spread the word.
0: Yes, I love it, huh? Thinking about the app, yes.
1: <laughs> oh yes, yes, an app, of course. <laughs> that's the one, that's the way uh-huh, to
0: do it. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so percolating on that too. I love
1: it. Good. <laughs> okay. that's wonderful. Awesome, awesome. So, um, ladies, just I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. And again, we're speaking to Tara Galliano. Uh, I'm gonna have her contact information in the show notes below. I'm gonna have her um link to her book will be there as well. It's called Rediscovering My Body. Um, highly recommend you just go there right now and get it in your you're gonna love just having it on your night stand right beside your bed because it's beautiful. Uh, She also does speak. She's a speaker. So she'll come to your event or do interviews for you. She also does conferences and workshops. So if you're looking for anything like that, definitely Tara is available for that. And I'll have all that information again in the show notes. So thank you so much. Oh, such a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. thank you for listening to the ultimate biohack for women if you'd like to dive deeper with our tribe join us on facebook or instagram and if you'd like to help grow our tribe share this episode with your friends let's bring this light to our community so that other women can know their true power and we can create a tribe together worth being in this podcast
0: is for information purposes only dr brandy victory is not a medical doctor and the views and statements expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Dr. Brandy Victory and the producers, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.